0: Hey, I'm Matt Zabik. I am joined with DJ Shockley and Dave Archer, and you are listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. Guys, yesterday's game—not the outcome Falcons fans wanted, but mm-hmm. a classic. When they look back 10 years from now, this game's gonna make the cut. Uh, one thing is certain, though: this is Matt Ryan's team moving forward. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. I agree. We're gonna talk about that, and we're also gonna talk about the inability to generate a pass rush, a certain sequence in this game, the injuries, the tackling and a whole lot more. Matt Ryan's going to have to carry this team uh, on his back now moving forward. He's got some emerging stars, some weapons, Calvin Ridley, Ido um, Smith looked pretty good and he's got the, the other star-studded cast of characters, but, Julio Jones too. But you know uh, what? I,
1: uh, I believe that in Matt Ryan's mind, it doesn't change what happens on defense. I think he looks at this team as, yeah, I got to go out and I'm trying to score points every single time I have the football, so I don't think it changes his mindset or his mind frame of how he goes about playing each and every week. He's going to go out and try to score points, and he, I think he understands what's the dynamic on defense of, hey, every series is probably going to count, but I don't think the mindset mind frame changes for Matt one week to another, especially offensively. Yeah, I would agree with you,
2: Shock, and I think that we have to keep in perspective you're not going to face an offense as potent as the Saints every weekend. Man. Yeah. So to think you're going to have to go dial a score every weekend, that's not realistic. So I would agree with you that Matt Ryan, and, and like Shaq says, I don't think it's changed his mindset any any at all. He wants to score every time he touches the football. But I think that we're maybe losing perspective of the fact that what's the offense look like we're going to face every week? You're going to see the Saints and Drew Brees every week.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a league of matchups, and week to week, you just never know. You just look at the scores around the league yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. some unpre- unpredictable scores. But uh, from a Falcons fan perspective, when you score 37, you're yeah. expecting to win that mm-hmm. game. And uh, that had the feel of a heavyweight fight, uh, trading blow after blow. But uh, let's dissect the game a little bit. Um, DJ, I know you, when we talked after the game, You kind of one thing that you kind of felt strong about was just the Falcons' inability to generate a pass rush. Vic Beasley had one sack, but talk about that a little bit, because well, I know fans are frustrated with that,
1: too. I'll preface it this way is, when you play a <clears> team <throat> like the Saints and Drew Brees, <clears throat> one thing you know is he's going to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. And that kind of relegates some of the pass rush and the ability to get to him, because Brees is the guy he understands, coverage he understands, where to go with the football, and he's going to hit that third step and the ball's going to be out. Mm-hmm. and In the game yesterday, the Saints did a lot of things where they put the backs outside, they put, you know, they switched tight ends way outside to see where you got manners on. And automatically Breeze knows, okay, I know what coverage it is, I know I'm going to go with the football. So it's a lot tougher to get pass rush on a guy who who understands where to go. But my main point was there are times where you could have pushed the pocket a little bit more than you did. There were situations where they want to throw the football down the field. If you watch that game, The Saints, they stress you vertically like no other team. Mm -hmm. They want to take shots. They want to go down the field, and they stress you vertically a lot in the ballgame. And in those moments, you have to find ways to push the pocket and move Drew Brees. I know there are times where you're going to move guys off his spot. He's going to move. He understands how to find those avenues. But I just felt as though in those couple moments in the game, you got to find a way to get some type of pressure on him to make him feel uncomfortable. And I don't think we did it enough. And I think there's times where, yeah, we tried to bring pressure and he saw it, or we brought pressure and then we didn't get to him. We have to find a way. I know you, you didn't have a couple guys in there as well, not having tack is big, uh, Shelby's out. I mean, it, it was a couple guys you missed, especially up front. Oh, sure, yeah. But you still got to find a way, I think, in those moments where you know they're pushing the ball down the field to, to be able to get some type of pressure. Yeah, and
2: I, I, I think that that's a double-edged sword now because what Atlanta wants to do is they want to make you move the ball incrementally <laughs> down the field, right. not give up big plays, make you throw underneath and with your athleticism that you drafted defensively and acquired defensively you rally and make tackles okay well we didn't do the latter part of that okay you did the good job of forcing throws underneath because they didn't touch you down the field very much with the vertical throw Mm -hmm. it was underneath now you have to make tackles atlanta had a horrible day tackling leveraging the ball carry, getting people on the ground so i thought the plan was okay because as you said if you decide, okay, I'm coming with pressure, you might find one or two other quarterbacks that's going to diagnose what you're doing faster than Breeze does, maybe nobody. Mm-hmm. And he is going to hurt you down the field. So I thought Atlanta, with the injuries and kind of making New Orleans slow play offensively, meaning throw it underneath, now you got to do the back half of that equation. Go tackle people. And we didn't do that at all.
0: So you talk about, you know, you're not going to play New Orleans every week, but big picture, real quick, do you, are you concerned about the pass rush moving forward? Uh, especially
2: with, are you happy with what you're seeing from that well, middle push think, with Deidre Henson and, right. and Terrell McLean? I don't yeah. think you're happy with it, but, um, I mean, Beasley, if, if Beasley got a sack a game, we'd be excited, right? That's what Tack was on. Tack was on yeah. a sack a game. He got a sack in the first two games. Beasley got a sack yesterday. So we're going to say, okay, well, why didn't Vic get three sacks? Well, I mean, come on, let's be realistic. He got a sack, you know, and would we like five sacks? Sure. But Breeze is not one of those kind of guys that holds onto the ball. So like you're saying, different kind of quarterback, yep. matchups. I don't think you can expect to necessarily get to a guy like that five or six times in a game. So Falcons fans,
0: just be patient, you're saying. Be patient.
1: Well, right? I, I think now more than anything, you're going to need that front. To be a bigger factor, we all know the injury that's happening on the back end. Yep. The front has to play a bigger role on this defense now. If you want to keep guys out of out of the out of the end zone, we're gonna play some good offenses. That's gonna be part of it. those guys gonna make plays. That's gonna happen. But I think you have plays to be made out there as well. So I, I'm kind of on the the middle of it needs to be better, but also this group has to take a, a step forward, especially up front.
0: Dave, you mentioned just now um, the issue with some of the tackles yesterday, missed tackles. There were a few, there was in some key spots, uh, the opening touchdown they had, Alford on Ted Ginn, he kind of took advantage of his momentum and mm-hmm. you know made a move and trotted in. And then the touchdown by Drew Brees where Alford and uh, Poole came up on him and they were going, they were coming in hot one direction and, and, and Brees kind of spun off him. Talk about that because the fans, you you know, in my mailbox this morning especially, were just talked over. I got a ton of emails about the missed tackles.
2: Okay. Um, What do you think? Okay, first of all, you know, how do you fix it is is what I'm like. Yeah, we missed a bunch of tackles. So, what do you you look at it and you kind of diagnose what happened in the game. Okay. Uh, So, from a tackling standpoint, you can't practice it. Okay, It's not something you can't hit in practice. The rules are no hitting. So what you're doing is you're doing roll blocks into dummies in practice, doing that kind of stuff. What you can practice and what they've got to practice and what they didn't do on Sunday was leverage the ball carrier. And you hear guys talk about what the the hell does that mean, leverage the ball carrier. Let's take the Drew Brees play, for instance. Mm -hmm. Robert Alford is outside leverage, meaning he's out towards the sideline. He's got the outside move. Brian Poole's coming from inside out, and Brian Poole's coming like a hot, like he's yep. coming too yep. hard. Yeah. He knows he's got Rocky outside that Breeze can't escape out that way. Yep. So, I in my mind have to calm down, chop my feet, slow down, and now you got two guys on either side of the ball carry. You put him down right where he is. But because all, because Poole came in out of control, mm. he knocks Alford off of the outside leverage, and Breeze looks like one of the great runners of all time outside the pocket. <laughs> that happened a number of times in the game. You're right, so, yeah. And that's and that's and you can fix that. Yeah. The physical part of coming up and hitting a guy and doing all that, you're not going to be able to practice that very much. But the leverage on the ball carrier, that's something they can fix, and I can guarantee you Coach Quinn's going to work on that. I'll year.
1: tell you, there was probably – I would say probably 40 to 50 yards worth of yaks that they had in the game. Yards after catch. And Arch talked about earlier, this defense is made for you to check it down and methodically have to go down the field. And Breeze did that. He threw it underneath, and now you got to rally to the football and tackle. And a lot of times, guys are, I don't want to call it headhunter, but guys are going so fast Mm -hmm. trying to make that tackle, Mm -hmm. it doesn't take much for a guy to, slip you one way or another and you pick up four or five extra yards and those begin to add up. One big part of this ball game I believe was first down. The Saints average almost eight yards mm-hmm. on first down. Now the Falcons did pretty good drivers. in averaging six but yeah. if you're getting eight yards on first down and you got a guy like Sean Payton and Drew Brees who've been together for a decade mm-hmm. and you give them a second and two or three. This Playbook is wide open. It's yeah. hard for Marco Manuel to you be. And I could call plays <laughs> to play <tonight. laughs> for real. <laughs> it's tough for Marco Emmanuel to dial up a, a defense that's yeah. going to be good versus second and three when you got the whole gamut of playbook for guys who've been doing this for years to call plays. So you got to be better on first down. You mm-hmm. can't give up those missed tackles. But hey, you're scoring points. You're in the ball game. The guys are trying their hardest. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, we we're not picking on these guys, but these guys are, they, they got to do a better job of getting guys to the ground, Absolutely. especially on first down.
0: Yeah, if you go back and watch, I was watching the game this morning. and There are so many times where Alford flashes into the screen and he's just coming hot. And like you said, if he just taps the brakes just a little bit, he probably makes those tackles.
2: Yeah, and think about how much different the game is. And I don't know how many missed tackles there were, but I'd be willing to Coach Quinn's going to tell us right. that there were probably double-digit missed tackles easily mm-hmm. in the game. Yeah. Let's say you make half those tackles. So now half of that yardage that Shock was just talking about, run yeah. after the catch, comes off the board. Is there a chance they don't extend a drive on third down? Is there a chance where you get off the field and give Ryan another opportunity with the ball? And when you're in a dial-a-score game like this one, maybe mm-hmm. that's all Ryan needed was more and more time to touch the ball and you win the game. So it's a really fi- a fine, minute scenario that, that you could fix and you win football games.
1: Be- what's the what's – the- Probably the most glaring thing in the mailbox that the fans are really – because is it the missed tackles? Is it well, – what's the biggest thing that the fans are really It was definitely –
0: this morning it was definitely the missed tackles yeah. and concern over uh, Ricardo Allen's injury. You know, no one knows how serious that's going to yeah.
1: be. We talked about that last week. So One guy that
0: – He's the quarterback, right, yeah. you yeah. said? No so, doubt. yeah, there's a lot of concern over Ricardo. We don't know the severity of it yet. It looked bad, but we don't want to speculate. And then the missed tackles, there was just – a lot of comments about that. But you talked about get, possibly getting off the field once or twice there and the difference that makes. There was a particular sequence in the third quarter that kind of stuck with you. want to talk about that a little bit because there, there was there was an opportunity there where the Falcons possibly could have gone up a
2: couple scores. Yeah, you guys tell me what you think on this. I, th- I thought there was a sequence of plays in the game with about eight minutes to go third quarter. The score is 21-16 Atlanta. Atlanta had just gotten a punt. And they got a face-mask penalty on the punt, which moved the ball out to the Atlanta 47-yard line. Ryan runs for a first down on the first play – or runs for seven yards on first down. Now it's second and three. You run a running play, and I believe Schweitzer gets called for holding, moves mm-hmm. it back to second and 13. So now you're, you go from a really advantageous situation, short field opportunity in St. Territory, and 21-16, you score there. Now all of a sudden, when, when you're watching these Saint games, if you can get that two-score advantage, now all of a sudden you have somewhat of control of the game. And yeah. you talk about it. We don't really ever have control of the game. But you have a moment. That's a short field opportunity that the Falcon offense needed to seize. They went three and out there. A couple incompletions after that, after the holding penalty. Mm-hmm. And then the block punt comes. And everybody will point to the block punt. Right but I thought it was the three players prior to the block punt, and you're not even talking about a block punt. You're talking about at least getting three on the board, and now all of a sudden you're up by a touchdown, or you put a touchdown on the board, and now if I'm Drew Brees, I say, wow, I've got to to go score every time I touch the ball. Those are the
1: details, I think, when as players we go back and we analyze. These are moments in the game that are what you call winnable plays or winnable moments in a game where if we do this, then the outcome could be different. Mm. And that sequence is, is pretty big. I mean, I, I, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up, but it's a sequence that you go back and look at and say, okay, here's a chance for the Falcons to put more pressure on the Saints and force them to really put their foot down on the pedal and say, okay, we got to do this, we got to do that. It's unbelievable that moment in the game, and it's one of the moments you look back and say, okay, what if?
0: That's exactly what Dan Quinn calls them, winning moments. Uh, you are listening to Falcons Audible, uh, presented by AT&T. I'm Matt Tabik, joined with DJ Shockley and Dave Archer. Uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, the telephone call line is 470-341-4177. Be sure to leave your name and your hometown. That number is 470-341-4177. Guys, as former players, you've been through some hard losses. Whoops, some emotional losses. <laughs> That was just my phone. It's okay. Yeah,
1: like it wasn't even there, right? Yeah. But all right. Uh, it happened.
0: But uh, you've been through some tough losses. <laughs> some <emotional laughs> on Beak, right there. Some. Uh, you've you've come out of these games and, and and turned it around, and you've also probably come out of these games and it's kind of stuck with you. What is the mindset that this team has? Forget <clears throat> the injuries. Forget all that stuff. The outside noise. What's the mindset that these players must take right now, heading into Cincinnati?
1: I'll say because you're wanting to, it's still early. Yep. And the mindset, we've, I've been in this position before on a team and there's always two ways you can go on this road. One way is you guys can feel bad, you can worry about the guys that's not in, you can worry about all the things that could have happened and didn't happen, or mm-hmm. you can say, guess what? We got a chance to get better. We got a chance to right this ship right. and get better. These, all, these guys are professionals. These guys play with tons of pride. And I think as a player, you look at the tape, you put it behind you, you learn from it, and you can't let one week to the next beat you. You can't let what happened last week versus the division opponent come back and haunt you in the next week. you got to find a way to move forward and get more wins and then give yourself a chance at the end of the year. And everybody talks about losing division games, but if you have a chance to put this one behind you, and move forward and make these count. Then hey, and then in the season you see where you're at. And you got a chance to go for it.
2: I think you know obviously all of that that Shock just said is that's that's what you want to do. Um, I think that now let's look at it from a Falcon perspective. Okay, who helps you do that? Okay, veteran players that have been down that road before. Mm-hmm. Ricardo Allen, Debo, mm-hmm. Keanu Neal. Well, those guys aren't. <laughs> They're going to be able to talk to you from the locker room. Right. They're not going to be on the field when adversity hits next week against Cincinnati. So, who's going to be that guy to step up and take that? Money? That'll be right. very important, uh, Matt. When we start thinking about that, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the offensive side because you got your general and Matt Ryan. He's going to do what he needs to do there. It's the defensive side of the football who picks them up a little bit. Okay, but that's where you really start to trust. Coach Quinn talks about brotherhood, the players talk about brotherhood, culture here, okay? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a winning culture around here, and so you hope that all of that investment you've put into that, that that picks everybody up as well. But all the stuff Shock talked about has to happen, but you've got to have guys that are willing to apply that, mm-hmm. and how do they make that happen? That's where you hope your culture's built in, which it is here, and who are those guys that are now standing that are going to be playing that can pick up the mantra?
0: Dan Quinn also talks about that brotherhood, that leadership, but also the depth of this team. Mm-hmm. He was one, th- one thing that he was really excited about heading into this team. And we saw yesterday some emerging stars, mm-hmm. one of them being Calvin Ridley. <laughs> uh, final stats on him was seven catches, 146 yards, three touchdowns. I think it was the first time that rookie in franchise history had three in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the 75-yarder. Um, probably would have had more if it wasn't for that P.I., Called on him,
2: but well, and think about it. He didn't catch a ball in the fourth quarter, that was amazing. all in the first three quarters. He didn't touch the ball in the
0: fourth how, quarter. How does he change this team moving forward? We knew that he was special in camp, that he, you know, he's a first round pick. But mm-hmm. uh, talk about what kind of impact you think that he can make on this team moving forward. What do you, what are your thoughts? Well, on I, that? I
2: think that it, it's obvious when you watch him, uh, his what he brings to the table because now. Uh, the number one thing is if I, I look at it from a defensive perspective. Okay, I'm Cincinnati this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm getting ready for the game, and I'm I see number eleven. But wait a minute, there's number eighteen over here too. And oh yeah, there's number twelve. And you start thinking Sanu, Jones, Ridley. And you sprinkle in a, a you know a couple. other guys. and now all of a sudden, from a preparation standpoint, think about how much time teams have to prepare. You practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's it. Okay, I've got to show I've got to show my defense all the looks in the different situations. First down, first down the red zone, third down, third down the red zone. All these different looks in a in three days and essentially what, Shock? About an hour and a half it, on yeah. the field in <laughs> right. a three-day period, <clears throat> that I've got to get my defense prepared to handle these guys. That's to me what Ridley brings to the table. All is the wealth of knowledge he has, the has polished he is, all that kind of stuff is really cool. But what he does is he really throws a monkey wrench to my preparation if I'm a defensive coordinator getting ready for the Falcons.
1: I was talking about it during the game is, yeah, you got number 11 like you talked about, but now, who do you double? Yeah, I mean, he brings the same thing Julio brings to a game, which is the ability to take the ball to the house at any given time. And there were tons of times where they shaded Julio, and you got one-on-one over Mm -hmm. here on the outside, and now... What makes it even more dangerous is number two believes in number eighteen when mm-hmm. he has one on one, and he doesn't fret that. Okay, can he get off a jam? Will he stay on his line to make sure you give him time to uh, give him a, a depth to throw the football? He does such a great job in his routes being patient. I mean, that first touchdown he had—if he's not patient in selling that, there's no way that it comes open because you got the guy playing off already. He just has a different. I want to say viewpoint of, of, of as a rookie of how to run routes. And now he understands he can win at this level. And I know he came in already confident, yeah. but to do it in a game like that in a big time environment, I think it's going to add to this offense. And now I think number two has another guy that he knows can stretch the field and give him a chance to win at any point. I mean, that...
2: And the scary part about him, Shaq, is you just mentioned, the scary part about him is a lot of times you say, okay, we'll press him. Yeah. Okay, we'll take him away physically. That's what P.J. Williams tried to do on the 75 yard touchdown. He tried to come and jam him. (laughs) He uses a little hard inside release, and then Scott gets over the top of him and stacks the corner where he's behind him. Yeah, good night. It's gone. In the play, Shock's talking about on the first touchdown, it's a stop and go. He runs a 10 yard curl route, breaks down, completely makes the corner squat down, and he goes right by him. And explosive. then the ability yeah. in the prompt to play where Ryan gets out of the pocket. That was my favorite. Ridley's line. running a deep over route across. He's going the Breaks other direction. Yeah. Puts his foot in the ground, retraces his steps and mirrors his quarterback, giving him an angle to throw the ball. Yeah. Those are all things you don't that's not stuff that you're just gonna hand a guy, okay, this is what we want you to do. He is as polished a rookie as I've ever seen. That counts Julio Jones or whoever has ever come in here. It yeah, was
0: as polished touchdown. a guy I've ever i ever seen. I love that third touchdown, how he kept working and kept the play alive. One thing
1: else to make you excited about, really, go back to last week's game, his first touchdown in his, in his career. Carolina. He said all week he did not see that type of alignment by the defensive back when they got in that formation, that set. Hmm. So all week he had been practicing against another look. So he gets in the game and it's live action and he gets a whole nother look and mentally he knows exactly what he wants to do. Yeah. Most guys be like, well, coach, we didn't practice against that. So I wasn't sure which release or how I should do it. The guy is well beyond his years mentally more than anything. The physical part of it, guys coming in this league. Everybody's pretty physically talented. But what separates guys, especially in the skill position, is upstairs. How fast that you can can really hone in on your skills, but also hone in on what they're trying to do to take things away from you. And that part of it, I think, is what's gonna separate him.
0: All right, we're gonna flip here and uh, talk a little bit Cincinnati. Either you guys ever had skyline chili? who skyline Skyline chili yeah that's what cincinnati is known for it's oh i'm
1: not really a fan of chili no. chili doesn't it really is do an well with stomach
0: it is an acquired taste i'll, I'll <laughs> it just is, say that okay yeah, right. it's, so you that's, that, skyline? Says, that says
2: that we don't want to have yeah,
0: it yeah it's I, i'm not crazy about it but that's that's the thing that's what they're most proud but you of you will then. eat it i tried it you have to try it right you're not welcome back to cincinnati yeah <laughs> i know <It> so <laughs> people
2: of cincinnati What's that? Did you badmouth uh, some of the people no, in No, I love Cincinnati. I, I, I lo- badmouth like Cincinnati. You badmouth Cincinnati. That's, this is true. <laughs> that all said. Aren't you a fan of chili? I like chili. Yeah, I don't know. if The skyline chili, based on the it's, facial expressions Matt's <laughs> given, it's, Wait, not we, gonna it's be like, we're going to want to stay away It's like
0: it. it's chili on top of pasta with a pile, just like a giant pile of Dan, cheese. Dan, what do uh, you let say?
1: Me,
2: let, me ask you, let me ask you this, it's, though. Okay, it's, chili. It's good. It's, it's a little bit, I, it's, I don't think it's an acquired
0: taste. I, I, that makes it sound. <laughs>
1: it, it is a, it's a good chili. It's just a good cheap chili to eat in Cincinnati. It cheap is,
2: chili. Cheap chili. Cheap chili. Cheap chili. I think it's really tough for you to explain what Not it is, so I'm staying away from it. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they'd like if you're to just But two in the morning, it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you so know that can. Uh, uh, so tell me about chili, though. It, yeah. It, if I'm a, if you're a chili eater, and I'd like to hear from you at home. Is chili kind of a wintery deal? Or do you do chili in the summertime? Can't eat chili in the summer. Yeah, it can't, it's still kind of hot down here in Atlanta. I mean, I don't think you do chili. Do you? Chili's like hot
1: cocoa. Well, like.
2: do, you, do you have pasta ever in the summer? Spaghetti? Yeah. yeah. Occasionally.
0: Okay. okay. Well, there you go. There's your answer. Spaghetti's really? not You're hot, You're going to compare pasta. Yeah. That's, I kind of put it classified okay. as that. Uh, <laughs> moving on. AJ Green. Or, well, the Bengals fell yesterday to the Panthers. Uh, they're now 2-1. and one. Um, pretty good year so far, but uh, they're a little banged up. They're going to come in. A.J. Green left the game with a groin. Joe Mixon, their running back.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me. I love um, when you had, start talking about injuries. He left the field with a groin. Groin injury. I think I've left every game with a groin, so I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know exactly what you're talking but, about. Uh, yeah, well, he's, did he did it come off. I was
0: reading about it. No, no, that's okay. that's, that's right. the patella. Okay, okay, patella. Okay. I got patella. <laughs>
2: I just love when you talk injuries. Well, It's great
0: you know, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. West Virginia. West Virginia. We talk about it a little bit. Oh, oh we're right. back to West Virginia. <laughs> uh,
2: not mama. Here we go. Uh, hey,
0: that was good. Uh, so. What was that? Hello, what was that? He told the Cincinnati Sorry. Country Roads. Yeah. It's okay. Sorry. I'm,
1: I am not in that. Business. John Denver. John Bender. What do you. No. John Denver. Denver, Denver. Oh. Oh, John Denver. 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 Okay. My bad. Sorry. It's okay. Um,
0: we'll have to. Figure out what's on your iPod one of these days. You guys but saw to, the
1: game Two Chains was live yesterday. Yeah, man. he was. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly Chains. right. Yeah, you're a fan him. of Two chain?
0: Yeah, I met him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so in Jayla Jay Jay Lachey Jay Lachey oh, yeah, Jay DJ. Shalet, the DJ. yeah, she's pretty cool.
1: So is anything on your iPad two or uh, on your uh, your music list Two Chains?
0: No.
2: Much like you don't have John Denver on yours. Let's yeah. move on. Let's yeah. I never so said I never said John AJ Denver. Green.
1: We're we're friends. We're cool. I never. Anyway, what were you trying to say? A.J.
0: Green said he didn't feel anything pop. Uh, thought he had the wind knocked out of him, but it turns
2: out he has some sort of groin injury. He said he expects to play against Atlanta. Um, and you know he wants to come home. Played at Georgia. This would be they don't come down here very often. Right. So I think in fact the last time he played Cincinnati was up there. Yes. What? four years ago, so it's a great opportunity. This may be the first time A.J. Green's played here as a Cincinnati Bengal, potentially. So, anyway, is I think we played him in preseason once. So, anyway. So,
0: this will be the first time Mohamed Sanu is facing them, right? His former
2: team. His former team? Is yeah, he correct? ate us up when we were up there.
1: Sure.
0: So, they come down. Joe Mixon, their young running back, uh, had arthroscopic surgery. He's expecting to play, too. So, what kind of problem or what kind of challenges does Cincinnati face? Uh, Pose for for the Falcons. You think I? I think they're a good offense. I like. I'm a fan of Andy Dalton, Mm -hmm. Tyler Eifert's good player. John Ross is is playing. Tyler Boyd. Mm -hmm. They've got some weapons. Had four Uh, picks last
1: week too. Four picks versus Carolina. Andy Dalton. Yeah, yeah. Had a tough week. Primetime Yeah, out.
2: Andy. Andy has a chin, the, the Red <laughs> Rifle, a good, good player. I mean, he's done a really good job for them. Um, I think he's solidified kind of what they are at quarterback. They've got some good weapons around. They got a decent offensive line. They lost some people in free agency on that offensive line. They've tried to re-solidify Art, some that. Some
1: people may not may not be know exactly the Red Rifle. Yeah, you might want to explain Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle. Yeah, I mean, everybody doesn't have. He's a ginger. Andy what are you talking about? He's a what? He's
2: a redhead. Yeah, the red say, rifle. A lot
1: of people may not have seen Andy Dalton, so they might not know that he's
2: well if you've had your head stuck in a hole he's got red (laughs) hair and they call him the red rifle most people know now rifle might be an overstatement but uh, no you're you're spot on all right (laughs) so good weapons around him the thing that I'm looking at guys uh, for Cincinnati is on the other side of the ball Geno Atkins yeah Geno Atkins Carlos Dunlap this is a legitimate and kind of a Maybe because Cincinnati and because they eat skyline chili, they're kind of lost ah. in the mix here. But that you don't was a good one maybe you don't know that. enough about Cincinnati defensively, being in good. the same division with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Yes, but Cincinnati's got some fire breathers on the on the
1: defensive line. Totally, it's because agree. of the skyline chili, the fire breathers. He gave you he gave <laughs> yeah, you a nice look call. when you threw in the call. skyline chili. It's good call. They're fire Big something. is mad. You're you're talking about the skyline chili now. Yeah, that's a fire no,
2: they're going to present a problem, Matt. No question.
0: Um, any other thoughts on Cincinnati? No,
1: I think Arch here did pretty good. I mean, they're a solid team, and they've been a team that's just struggling in the playoffs. That's the only big thing that people look at Cincinnati and say, well, what's the deal there? But they're a team that's always in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got guys who have played at a high level, football players, like Arch just mentioned, a few of those. And defensively, they're going to be another test up front that this offensive line is going to really have to hone in on. And we saw just – in the game, you know, yesterday, Saints were pretty good up front. They pressured Matt Ryan. They pushed that pocket a little bit sometimes, and they're going to do the same thing this week. So I think, offensively, in the trenches on both sides of the ball is going to be a big, big test for the Falcons. It's going to be important not to lose in our building now. We got to
2: take care of our building. Yeah, that, I know you were going to get to that, well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly my thought.
0: Exactly. They're, so they're one and two now, one and one in the division. They've got Cincinnati at home. Then they t- then they take to the road in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this team, healthy, was capable of winning 10, 12 games. Should fans temper their expectations
2: a little bit or no? Uh, no you know. I wouldn't. I think that uh, you know expectations are that you're going to score points and, and you're going to find a way to get some stops. I think that's the way you got to look at it. Yeah, you're missing some people defensively. But you got to take care of your own building. By the way, kudos to the fans that came to the game uh, this weekend. I thought that was as good a building as I've seen for Atlanta uh, this early in the year, I thought it was a really and, and obviously St. fans get there and so they kind of start banging heads which is kind of cool but uh, I thought the Falcon fan was off the charts this weekend and Coach Quinn thought so too.
0: My only experience here in Atlanta is the last two years, I came over from CBS Sports last year so I don't have a good feel of a strong Falcons crowd but I will say this, it was loud in there mm-hmm. um, I, I, I didn't see any games in the Georgia Dome so I have nothing to compare it to but I would, I would agree with you that that was probably the loudest that building I gauged, was since I've been here over the last two years. I
1: gauge crowds off how I feel in the stadium as if I was about to play. Yeah. And when I was in the building yesterday, I was pretty jacked, like I wish I was playing in this game. Yeah. And that's how you gauge a crowd. For me, and I thought the crowd was electric, I thought they, they were – energetic at a lot of time, new when to get loud, new when to, you know, get after the Saints and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, big ups to the fans for real. All
0: right, guys. And Matt Ryan, we trust Bengals <laughs> Falcons next Sunday, one o'clock Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's going to wrap it up for us. I'm Matt Tobiek. Hold on. We got, one. We got oh, breaking news here. We got breaking news. Hold on. Rico, uh, torn Achilles out.
2: For season. Wow. That's official. <laughs> um, all right, so I kind of wow. references on a radio news bulletin. I thought, I thought that in in on 92.9 a game Should our flagship. We, we repeat that again. Ricardo yeah, it, Allen. It, those that didn't hear, I mean, we just got word, Matt, ah. that that, that uh, Ricardo Allen out for the season, torn Achilles. I think that anybody that kind of watched it, kind of whenever you see a non-contact injury like that, especially a guy just kind of goes down. Mm-hmm. I I was fearful of that. I think we all were that potentially. And then we was carted off the field after they took him immediately. in immediately. Um, so. Yeah, you know. uh, huge loss uh tremendous we talked about it earlier in the in the in the mm. show uh just a huge loss for him going to really be tough to get him not just the guy that's on the field think about and we all get a chance to be around him i know you at home don't get a chance to do anything other than see him play see him direct in traffic this guy is as prepared as anybody i've ever seen play the game so someone is gonna to have to pick up that load, and that's a huge load. You talk about De- Deion, if, if Deion Jones was your number one guy, one A, this guy's one B. Not, I mean, because this guy was really important to the
1: even, even inside his own teammate, his peers, Grady Jarrett said this guy was our quarterback. This yeah. guy meant everything for us. And this was immediately after game, so you know his importance. I remember, listening uh, this quick story here. Coach Quinn mentioned after Rico got his new deal, uh, you know, he had a team meeting and he said who in this room has been mentored or who has had some kind of, you know, mentoring by Ricardo Allen and everybody in the room rose their hand. Yeah. I mean, that tells you right there what he means, not just on the field, but off the field to this yeah. team. So that's a that's a yeah, huge I'll, loss.
2: I'll raise my hand too, because <laughs> I go to him every Wednesday to give me some kind of scouting report, as I'm gonna do the game, give me mm-hmm. something to look for what do, you, what do I what should I be looking for, Ricardo? And he's actually helping me prepare my job. And I don't have anything to do with playing the game. That's that's Ricardo Allen.
0: Well, I I feel like we have to tackle one thing regarding this this news now um, because I got a lot of questions about him this morning, and my answer was pretty much let's wait, let's tap the brakes until mm-hmm. we know. Well, now we know. Yeah. And a lot of questions were, what do the Falcons do? Uh, I had a number of people asking about Eric Reed, Earl Thomas. Of course, you got to take the salary cap into, and are they a culture fit here? Mm-hmm. Um, What do the Falcons do, not to put you on the spot too much, but I mean clearly
2: there's not a lot of guys walking the street. Um, My my take on it is this, real quickly. My take on it is this, is you've got people you pick to play on this team. Now they may be playing in a little bit different position, but they made this club because they fit the culture, they fit what we do defensively. So how do I adjust? Demonte Casey was a corner. They moved to safety. He's been Mm -hmm. training at safety for a couple of seasons. Just drafted a guy named Isaiah Oliver who has outstanding athletic ability, is still learning to play. He got some playing time yesterday. Played in the dime package, okay? You've got a guy named Brian Poole who plays your nickelback. So now if you go base set, just throwing pie in the sky here. Mm -hmm. Base set, three linebackers, four down linemen. I got four DBs in the game. My two safeties now are Brian Poole and DeMonte Casey. If I go to nickel, then Brian Oliver, or I mean, sorry, Isaiah Oliver's coming in, and now I've got my nickel set in the game where Oliver plays some safety, and I get Poole back in that nickel spot. I think they'll look to try to get somebody within the system, and you're, you're gonna scour and look. And do you dra- do you trade for if it's not too much of an asking price for Earl Thomas? But other than that, I think you'll look for them to boost guys up in here that they trust, that made this club on merit. Keep in mind too, he didn't play; he was inactive yesterday. But they did sign
0: uh, Keith, Keith Andy, Handy, Tandy. Good call. Yeah. Right. Yep. Good call. Uh, he was a former Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. Good call. Uh, former West Virginia Mountaineer too. Uh, wow. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Tandyman. Watch for the Tandyman. man. Uh, he was the tandy, I, man. the tandy man. Did you bring really? that up? No. That, oh, that's what so that's a name. Man that's his name. Can okay. you heard it from yes, Beek here? Yes, Tandy first. Man can. That's okay. what he was known as, West Virginia. But uh, keep your eyes on him too. But I'll, uh,
1: I'll add a, a small token to what Arsh just talked about. I think the point he brings up is good because where you're at right now, you need somebody to come in who understands the system, understands the terminology, who can mm-hmm. speak the verbiage back yeah. there. There's so much communication that goes on in the back end to get everybody else lined up in front of you as well as the guys around you. Yeah. And if you go to other right and bring somebody in, they have to be somebody that understands it right now, who you can plug in right now and play. And if you're bringing Earl Thomas, it's how much you're willing to give up. I don't know where the Falcons are with that, but that that's a big part of it. And then also, if you bring in somebody outside, who do you bring in that can plug in right now? Yeah. if they can't do it right now, you gotta go the route that Arch talked about, and yes. you have to make sure those guys who are in-house, they are <laughs> on that plan, and they understand and communicate it the best way, and then it goes back to Marco Emanuel calling a defense that fits the personality and the
2: players that you have on the field. Think about the importance now of a guy that, okay, I'm learning what I'm supposed to do, the adjustments of different personnel packages, different formations, but I know I got Ricardo there. And yeah. if I'm not sure, Ricardo's going to get me in the right spot. Now the impetus on getting your game plan dialed in yourself and not depending on someone else is going to be huge. <laughs> you are going to you need to know that if they go three wides and they motion – that's my guy. I got. To, we saw a lot of guys lined up incorrectly yesterday, and I think it's about guys getting in their game plans and knowing their spot. Lock it down because you're not going to have the 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 crutch of Ricardo Allen to get
1: you lined up. And and that may make you even more simplistic as a defense.
2: And you
0: you talked about in the in your opening the need to generate a pass rush. Yep. Even more important Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Tack McKinley, Derek Shelby. Out with groins this past week, and hopefully they get them back this week. That's going to be really important, uh, especially to help that back end. Yep. Um, yeah, and the, the soonest we can get Dion Jones back is November eighteenth, <laughs> I think, week ten. Uh, that's the Cowboys game. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Lot to uh, lot to uh, digest and see what happens here this week, but uh, that, outside any more breaking news, is going to be a wrap for us. Again, Matt and Matt Ryan We Trust Bengals Falcons next Sunday, one o'clock. This is Falcons Audible, presented by A T and T. And one last let me dig up my number here, one last uh Don't you think you should have been uh, memorized by now? Yeah. What do you know what it is, Arch? Four oh four I'm not the host of the That's show. Four I'm just set, here. this is a group effort. Four seven zero three four one four one seven seven. And Sam, our producer, feel free to shout that out, Sam. You know Call after the game next week. Yeah. Keep, yeah, frame your question where we can actually use it. Uh, leave your name and hometown. All I thought right, that was a
2: shot across somebody's bow. Not sure who
0: it was. I was going to
2: attack the audience, babe. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peace out. Yeah, see you. <laughs>